a lot of times the forward thinking leadership and executive, they want to do everything, right? So I want to stress here that a lot of times our job when we're doing these engagements in the beginning is to hold the reins and say, you know what, that's not really your business objective. You shouldn't pursue that. So people want to do 50 different things. We condense it down to the things that matter and make it manageable for them while keeping the ideas and the pie in the sky sort of ideas in context so they can pursue them later. But we have to say no a lot, basically, is what I'm saying to a lot of the ideas, because let's be realistic. You don't want to touch on everything and actually achieve nothing. You want to achieve the foundation and then build on that. You are listening to the Beyond Buildings podcast, where we talk to innovative leaders on how they create optimal value in a smart world context. We combine strategy and technology talk to absorb reality, embrace uncertainty, and to go from path dependency to path creation. It's smart cities, it's smart buildings, it's data strategies, it's construction, it's real estate and industry 4.0, and most of all, it's smart people. And remember, it's the data you don't have that will change your life. With your host, the future shaper, the ecosystem architect, Nicholas Wern. This episode is sponsored by Platform of Trust. I like Platform of Trust because it enables companies to create value from any type of data. Therefore, it saves time, money, and it's the perfect tool for companies who want to make data-driven decisions on data they can trust. They make it easy to collect, harmonize, and trust the data from different sources and basically any source that you want. And you don't need to hire 10 IT technicians or spend hundreds of thousands for a cloud platform because Platform of Trust can manage integrations and you'll see if something goes down in real time. Platform of Trust enables companies to take action based on the data that you can trust. Today, not tomorrow. Welcome to the Beyond Buildings podcast. This is part two of two, interviewing the great Osman Salim from Intelligent Buildings. We'll be talking about the importance of cybersecurity, the gap between tech and real estate, what is the argument to be made for smart buildings, and much, much more. Remember to subscribe, share, and comment, and I hope you have a great time listening to this episode. Go above and beyond with the Beyond Buildings podcast. The big software companies learn real estate faster than real estate learns IT software. And if so, what do you see from your perspective? Who's moving ahead? We've got the classic Google, Amazons, uh, Microsoft, et cetera, et cetera. Or will it be the, like the MSIs or will intelligent building maybe change shape and do something more operative? What will happen in the next couple of years? Predicting the future is always fun. It's always interesting to have these discussions. We worked with a lot of the big tech players, some of the ones you've mentioned, and um, I think that their success is their enemy, quite frankly, in this case, because these are very smart people. And so I would definitely not bet my money against them learning real estate. In fact, they, they're already there. What they struggle with is not the technology side of things, but everything else. So they're really good with technology. They're really good with coming up with these solutions and integrations and all of that. But I think understanding the people of real estate, the processes, I think that's their weak point. And it's the opposite side for the real estate folks where they struggle with the technology, but they understand how real estate works. They understand their systems and what the criticality of those functions. You can't have a building 
that is without lighting for like 10 minutes. So you can't have a, no heat or no cool. I mean, you're in the Nordic countries. Imagine the heat going out in the dead of winter. You're done. So I think competing priorities, I think there needs to be understanding from both sides. But I think that the only way forward is if both of these entities move together. And I don't think the tech folks are going to reinvent real estate as they love to reinvent other things. But they're going to be a very, very important player, a very, very important stakeholder in it. And I don't think that the real estate folks are going to go anywhere and they're just going to disappear into the horizon. I think they have a lot of value to add to this discussion moving forward. So I think the future is shared and we're seeing this now in organizations. And it's a stark difference from even a few years ago or a couple of years ago, even where the IT folks are now understand the risks that the OT folks face. And that's forcing them to adapt. And that's not really a very proactive approach. It's a reactive approach because a lot of times these changes happen after an attack has already happened. I'll give you a couple of examples that I've dealt with personally and some around the, the company that my colleagues have dealt with. One of the largest asset manager, property management firms here in Canada, they had an issue in a city that they have real estate assets in where their building systems are, particularly the HVAC system, which is usually the operational system of the building. That was not secured. It was open on the internet and they found from time to time set points and things like that were being changed. And this was harmless. There's really nothing that was happening from a operational or business continuity perspective. But the ones that are, might be new, what is the set point? So for example, you have an equipment that is providing heating or cooling. There are certain set points that it needs to operate at, right? Like, so for example, the air coming out of the main duct needs to be a certain set point at a certain time of the day. So if it's hot outside, That's going to be cooler. If it's warm outside, it's going to be warmer. And this is a very simplified way of explaining it. But your HVAC systems, heating, ventilation, AC systems, operate on set. Set your thermostat or your Nest thermostat at a certain set point, right? So that's what a set point is. So what this company was finding is that these set points were being changed. And sometimes the building operator was like, oh, forgot to do that. Or I don't know how that changed. But eventually it happened enough times that they said there's definitely something going on here. So they hired a cybersecurity forensics firm and they found that there was an IP. And they looked back at the logs of the system, right? A lot of times these systems are pretty capable, the building automation systems and the lighting systems. They have activity logs. They have user logs and so on and so forth. And they found that there was an IP address from somewhere in the world, China, um, <laughs> that was knocking on the BAS IP address for months. And finally, it got in whoever was on the other side of that IP address knocking. They figured out the username or password of someone, right? And because a lot of times these systems are using default logins and default passwords, and I got a great story about that too that I'll come to after this, but they were able to get in. And so they immediately then moved to a VPN model, I believe. This was a while back, so I don't remember exactly what they did. But they secured their system the best they could at that point in time. So they just changed a couple of set points or many for large buildings. What would be the problem? If it was a hospital, would that be a problem? Oh, absolutely. Right now, like these search engines that I mentioned earlier, you have open IP addresses of building automation systems that are controlling the cooling heating for hospitals and these are critical environments so if you were to heat up an operating room for example and you can actually see those points if you have the correct tools that are all publicly openly available 
you can actually see data points of operating theaters, of the ICU ward, right? That need to be very specifically controlled. You can overwrite those values and there you go. That's a life safety issue now. If you would have learned then, considering the times that we live in, you're at a, like a COVID corona ward, right? And then that like, takes air from that department just to the outside. But now when I can go in and actually like a terrorist attack in disguise almost, we change that, we put in the air, we take that into the entire hospital and these kind of things. Would that be possible if you have an open building? The best answer of a consultant is it depends, right? We say this all the time. But it depends on the ducting of the building. But yes, it is possible. You just close the outside air duct and the building's just recirculating that air. And there's going to be some filtration at the unit. But yes, that could be possible. We're talking about existing buildings. And of course, they weren't really built to be necessarily super flexible. And then, of course, changing the control strategy. It's important to understand not what could happen, what would be the impact that that would have for companies. Because I think that's the only way to get people to, instead of react, but actually act to understand the context. Exactly. And be proactive. Nothing's happened. And if your building is an accident waiting to happen, if you acted, then, you know, you've taken care of the issue. One other example is much more severe, and it's, it's from a different angle. This was for a property manager that had a high-rise building, several floors, you know, 30, 40 plus, And they had a printer connected to their operational system, a network. Right. Someone just decided, I need a printer. So let's just uh, connect this. I have a network right here. Let's just plug the cable in. This was a regular laser jet printer, whatever. Right. And soon from this printer, there was a page that printed out saying there's a bomb in the building. And when that happened, obviously, as an organization, you can't take that lightly. You have to evacuate the building. There's security protocols in place. They had to evacuate the entire building. Now imagine how many organizations are in there. Everyone goes out to the evacuation area, whatever, they're having a good time, but um, they have to call the bomb squad in, get the dogs in, sniff out every room, eliminate every single possibility of a bomb. And this might just be like a 12-year-old playing around with this computer and decided, oh, let me just have some fun and say there's a bomb in the building, you know what I mean? So who knows? But eventually they didn't find anything. And um, after a day's interruption of work or a few hours, however much it was, everything sort of went back to normal. Well, we thought it would go back to normal, but one of the tenants of that building was the Federal Aviation Authority. And they thought, well, hey, what the heck? Like, if we need to be running 24-7, 365, we can't have a stop in our operation like this. So if this simple thing can happen right now, imagine what else could happen. So they actually canceled their lease and they had several floors in the building. I think that's interesting, right? Because we talk about uptime and what is it, like 999s and all these kind of things, right? And uptimes, especially for uh, when you're uh, connected to cloud and servers and all these kind of things. Have you seen those SLAs as in uptime in accessing the premises for real estate? Is that a factor or should it be? Because if you don't have that SLA or that uptime for, well, we need to be here to do our job, if you can't have these sort of like minimum requirements from what you just talked about, we can't be here. Does that exist? Do you have like an uptime kind of thing for the real estate on its own or? Uptime for infrastructure, we've seen that for sure. But let's just best scenario from that perspective. Let's say they have that in their SLAs. What about the damage to the organizations in the building from a business continuity perspective, right? Imagine the lost time, the lost productivity just for a day, the brand damage. 
That's what I mean, right? Because if they would have that uptime from the real estate owner, as I say, okay, this building, we have taken these measures so that we can guarantee this uptime, I mean, based on these parameters, right? I think it's better to take it even a step further because you said like the bomb squad was there. So like municipality level or from a city level, what is the cost for them? Not only like maybe in PR or whatever that could be, or like the actual man hours or woman hours, the hours spent and lost efficiency, productivity, et cetera, et cetera, as well as, okay, are people now willing to go into work? Are they scared? Maybe that causes like health stuff or concerns, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? So I think like increasing the parameters that people think about, again, going back to, well, we have energy efficiency, we have operations, we have productivity well-being, but there are other things as well. And running these what-if scenarios, I think that's where it's more and more important to understand sort of like from a holistic level. If this happens, what kind of consequences does this have? Cyber security incidents and activities has really picked up the past couple of years and even more where these incidents are much more common. And yeah, the effects of an event like this, this example that we just covered, go far beyond just the real estate. You're right could be a mental health issue for a lot of the people where they don't feel safe and they just refuse to come. I mean, that's a legitimate excuse to not come to work. So, yeah, I think uptime for the entire building, I don't think we've seen. That's a really interesting idea. I'd be curious to see that who would guarantee that to their customer, like a security provider, if they would even agree to that. But that's really a, an interesting discussion to have. Because the effects are so great and so wide, right? Especially now as well. Owners or real estate owners need something to get people back to the building. And whether that is governmental like agencies or commercial companies or whatever that could be, I think they need to do more than what most have done at least today, right? And one thing that we really haven't talked about that much is what about making money on buildings? Is that a conversation that people are having? Because I've talked about it for the last five years and now like the app store concept and to be able to provide services for tenants and actually make a cut of whatever it is that you provide. Is that something that you know about or can talk about? One of the technologies that is really common now and is really picking up steam is having a tenant experience application, a mobile application or workplace application. And we have seen discussions around selling additional services to tenants or having that as add-on in the lease agreement, if you will. So there have been discussions around it, although I don't know if anyone has really gone forward with that. I think that the App Store idea is really good for not on the tenant side, but on the contractor and vendor side, I think it makes a lot of sense there. But no, we haven't seen too many of the property managers sell additional services on. I think just the lease agreements, there's just so much of a variability in that. And I think traditionally speaking, tenants that move in, they're looking for the best value they can find, right? So this also ties back into the ROI discussion that we're having before is it's difficult to really predict an accurate ROI from these sort of tenant experience systems because we just don't have that data just in terms of a time perspective. The technology hasn't been out there long enough. Interesting. And thanks for answering. I think that's where it is right now as well, right? And especially now with COVID, no one really knows. And I think that's even more important to have a building that is ready to cater to the unknowns as fast as possible, right? So don't you have the lead times, okay, well, we got a new tenant this week. It's going to take us two months to ready the real estate for them. Uh-huh, but they, they're just going to stay one month. Oh, then 
it's not going to be great, right? So, okay, some final thoughts. Why smart buildings? Why would they do that? We talked a lot about security aspects or, again, now, now and future flexibility, et cetera. But I mean, in your words, when you're talking to customers and they say this, like, it costs a lot of money, which I personally hate that sort of idea because then you don't understand sort of what the business case is. It costs money, yeah, but the alternative would be bankruptcy or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So how do you make that argument for owners that see it as a cost and they're hesitant to sort of get started or get going? What to start with, with owners who haven't really digitized their asset before, in your opinion? Yeah, I think uh, the alternative, unfortunately, I wish it was as severe as you said, like bankruptcy. And unfortunately, it isn't, right? You have buildings that are not using, that are the dumbest that you can find, that have no technology, they're still running. I found that a lot of times in those sort of buildings, the operations staff is really intuitive and they have a customer focus. I mean, a lot of times people will, if they see a building operator around them trying to fix a problem, it doesn't matter if they're sweating in their offices. They know that, yeah, Bob here, he asked me how my day is. I have a good relationship with him. He's trying to fix this problem. I'm okay with that. So we've seen that. So unfortunately, the alternative to not having smart technology is not that severe. I love what you said. It's the transparency that you know that something is being done about something that you experience to be a problem, right? Whether that is Bob or you see a dial on the wall that says now something is happening. It's sort of like the same thing, but different. I think like the bankruptcy was more if you have two options. One is I'm going to buy a, right now like a BlackBerry or a Nokia 3310, or I'm going to buy a Samsung or an iPhone, the new version for my, my staff, right? What would it be? If I have to make the choice, what would increase their productivity? What would increase their well-being? And I think that's what I mean with the bankruptcy part. Maybe not again, like in the short term, but if people won't select their buildings and they have the option to select someone else's that are better, will be better. And even if they're not smart from the beginning, they have sort of like an infrastructure that allows them to cater to whatever needs the tenants have more continuously in more data-driven fashion, right? And I think me as an owner of a company I would definitely have my staff, especially now when like 70% are going to work from home, the ones that do come to the office, I want them to have a better sort of environment or more productive than what they do at home. Otherwise, why would I even have like lease agreements? Why would I even have real estate? I agree with you 100%. When you put it that way, a lot of times it's the industry that drives the change. When you frame it the way that you just did on a long-term perspective and horizon, you're right. Eventually down the line, you could lose out on a lot of business that would compromise even your existence to a very extreme level. So you're right. I think that our goal when it comes to dealing with customers is we try to make the link between the business goals of the organization to the technology. And if a business goal of like one of the customers that we're with, they said, we want to be the best landlord. Well, firstly, it's a matter of helping them understand what that really means. A lot of it is what's going on in the industry. So like, you know how you were saying that a lot of times it's what my neighbor has. If my neighbor upgrades their garage door with a fancy one, I'm going to do that. Or if they get a new car, I want that too. So a lot of times it is that, that issue where, well, your competitors are getting ahead of you. They're providing more value. They're providing more 
services and more bang for the buck. They're providing a better environment. They are providing that digital interface instead of, uh, you know, an operator working over your head kind of a thing as to, you know, what's going on. That's an example. But a lot of times it's helping bring that industry knowledge to them and helping them understand where they are, where they stand. I think that's the value that we have. We've consulted on over 4 billion square feet of real estate, which is a lot. And we have an idea of what is going on over there and what you're doing right here. The cost issue, I think, is also tied to that, right? Like, what is your business goal? Like, if you don't care about energy efficiency or if that's not a driver for you, then do the bare minimum. Don't go for a Ferrari energy efficiency platform. Know what I mean? Just do the bare basic, but at least do them. If tenant experience is your thing for attracting high-end customers, then why are you relying on manual processes and why are you relying on outdated services? Our goal, really half of it when we get engaged to clients is really making that link between their business objective and uh, smart building technology that's out there. And fortunately, there's really the technology proliferation at this stage. I mean, it's moved a long way from where it was. There's so many options now and there's so many customizations. So it's a matter of eventually realizing your business goals and the money part, we can work on that, right? Like we can make a multi-year plan if you don't have it right now and systems and deployments are flexible like that. A lot of times, the forward thinking leadership and executive, they want to do everything, right? So I want to stress here that a lot of times our job when we're doing these engagements in the beginning is to hold the reins and say, you know what? That's not really your business objective. You shouldn't pursue that. So people want to do 50 different things. We condense it down to the things that matter and make it manageable for them while keeping the ideas and the pie in the sky sort of ideas in context so they can pursue them later. But we have to say no a lot, basically, is what I'm saying to a lot of the ideas, because let's be realistic. You don't want to touch on everything and actually achieve nothing. You want to achieve the foundation and then build on that. You said something interesting. I don't think I've heard it before. And that was everyone wants to do everything. How important is it for the company that you're helping to actually have a vision, to have a mission, to understand themselves what they want to be best at? Can something be done if they don't have it? Or is that sort of like, this is our number one criteria for us to be able to help you? What do you think about that point, just as a final point? It's crucial. It's really the foundation. So in our consulting engagements with executive leadership, that is where we start. What is your business objective? And if you don't have one from a real estate perspective, let's talk about it and let's see where that comes in and how that formulates. So I think that really drives the smart building strategy to have that vision of what the organization is, what they do sort of weaves into that as well and really defines them. And then we work from there. Do you think or do you see that they have the capabilities to do it? If we're looking at the people necessary to drive change, not to be these one offs or as well as the systems or maybe even the culture or the roles in that organization and the hierarchy. Is that something that you're also helping companies with and that you see that they're struggling with that, especially if they're traditional companies used to work in certain ways, as in the change management approach? Yeah, we do help with change management because a lot of times for organizations that are set in their ways, that's a big hurdle to overcome. The change management of what you have right now versus what you need, what sort of staffing changes you're going to make. We're not recommending that you fire everyone and hire new. That's not the approach. 
interesting side point here. A lot of times when I meet with senior leadership, and then afterwards I meet with the boots on the ground, so to speak, the boots on the ground, the building operators, facility managers, they see us as sort of these people who are here to find out what we do wrong. So my first objective when I meet with the people at site is to win them over, understand that we're on your side. So when I say staffing change as part of the change management, I don't mean that we are restructuring the entire organization, but what skills do the existing folks need? What are the new skills that you need? You might need to hire new people. So I think that that change management part is crucial to move the industry from the existing ways that it's set in the bad habits to the way forward. Great. How can people find you if they want your help or find intelligent buildings? I'm on LinkedIn. I'm active on LinkedIn. You can reach out to me there. You can reach out to our helpline. Our website is intelligentbuildings.com. And there's a, a lot of material there for you to review on what we do, how we do it, and what our approach is. So definitely reach out to us if you have any issue with your building, any questions, we'd be happy to help you out. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Beyond Buildings podcast and this episode with Osman Salim. This was part two or two. And if you missed the first part, go and listen right now. And please subscribe, share, comment. And if you know someone that should be interviewed, let us know at the Beyond Buildings podcast. Thank you and goodbye.